Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. So I've hit some quantum weirdness for sure. Yesterday, I was trying to read some older insights from California just by speaking them audio-wise, and I've been feeling slightly odd for a few days, and it coincides with certain events, plus hitting the eight-and-a-half-month mark of no crisis but there is something subtle going on in the background and I remember saying to the universe a couple of videos ago okay universe I got this I get it I know what you're talking about you don't have to totally freak me out and I feel like For example, yesterday I felt like I had to be outside and this is one of the things that happens. When I start feeling kind of like a homeless person, I feel like I have to be outside. Like homeless people are usually outside. And so I was sitting outside and I did some recording of my brain signals using the Muse headband. At first I was feeling distressed but only subtly distressed, but it was there. So I recorded those brain signals in a zip file. It's in my Dropbox and it's under October 2nd. And then when I felt calm, I did it again. Actually, I did it starting when I took a vitamin C to see what kind of effect that it would have on my brain signals. But the thing is that I won't be able to graph that for a while. But I can at least collect some of the data during this weird period of time. And I was looking at the screen and at the screenshots and trying to compare the screenshots I took of my brainwaves months ago, a couple months ago or something, to now. And it does look different. It seems like one of the bands in the gamma range in the orange 33 hertz is quite pronounced. Okay, this is an interlude because I just looked up 33 hertz and this website itsusync.com or something says 33 hertz is the pyramid frequency or Christ consciousness and that's crazy.
interjecting, it's pretty cool that I can know what my brain looks like when it's distressed. And I don't even know if that is gamma or what that is. It could be high beta. Interjecting, it is high beta. And then there was this other frequency that was kind of missing. So I don't know enough about brainwaves to really go too much into that, but I'll share some of the screenshots I took. And then I wanted to do some coherence breathing, but it got cold outside, so I went inside. And I didn't want to sit on the wooden chair that I have because it's kind of hard. So I pulled out my little meditation cushion from under my desk and sat on that. And it's sort of like this crouched down position on a sidewalk. Sort of like taking the posture of a homeless person. And I've done that before and shared that on a video of me in so-called psychosis. But I felt like I could hear the subtle whispers of the universe kind of doing this embodied reminder of remember the homeless people. I'm not going to make you feel completely homeless this time and dissociated and scared and confused and alone and without love like usual. But hello, just as you asked, here's this subtle reminder. And it coincides with feeling forgetful, feeling less like myself, whatever that means. So it feels kind of confusing. And before I was in this creative state where I was getting lots done and the days felt long. And right now I feel like sitting at a park bench is all I can do. And that's something that a homeless person might feel like. They can sit at a park bench and maybe that's about it besides wandering to get food and things like that so and then I also heard this subtle feeling like don't make this about you don't make this into a personal problem don't make this feeling like a homeless person into a personal problem because the thing is the me is being scrambled so I can feel this embodied empathy to remind me partly what I'm here to do not to scare me into thinking that I have a personal problem that actually is something that is in complete opposition to what the embodied empathy is attempting to illustrate it's attempting to illustrate there is no me, we are one, that's how I can feel that way, that's how I can embody that and channel that and feel empathetic of that, is I am that. I am homeless people too. And so showering, I was thinking, oh my gosh, what about the homeless people? And so it gets my brain thinking in terms of what can I do to help? So I didn't allow my brain to shift into, oh my gosh, it's my mental illness. It was, oh my gosh, I can feel the homeless people and they're suffering and they can't move, they're stuck. And then 
I feel that stuckness myself. I feel it in an embodied way, not as, oh, why aren't they getting up and doing something and getting on with their life? They literally cannot move. And I feel this difficulty and this gravity that comes in that makes it very challenging to move. It's like gravity pins them there, waiting for people to wake up and help and show some love or I don't know how it works but I'm attempting to give voice to some of this right now because I'm feeling it and this could reaffirm that I'm a crazy person or it could be a different kind of speaking as And then I imagine myself going out and connecting with somebody or something, but then at the same time, there's so much traffic and I don't know, it's getting cold, but then they're going to be cold and I'm fed and I'm warm and oh, it's challenging to wrap one's brain around this. So yeah, I don't think I'll do any more of that babbling on about old insights. That was a little experiment. And I think right now, maybe it'll be a couple week period of remember to feed myself, take care of myself, keep myself clean, not look like a homeless person, even though I feel like one, which could lead me to feeling like I'm not me. And that's the thing, there can be some truth to that. I am not me, there is no me, I've been talking about this. But then as soon as there's a state where I feel I'm not me, it connects me with this sense of homelessness, maybe because that's associated with not owning anything, not wanting to own anything. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other ways and then also remembering that I'm safe, my body's safe. There's definitely feelings in my heart coming up and I remember the other day feeling like my heart is what speaks. I don't think I really speak from my brain at all. I can feel the words coming from my heart. So yeah, it'd be nice to maybe not talk about this and talk about all the creative wonderfulness, but this is where I'm at right now. And I feel sometimes this happens when I get into that celebratory, wow, happy manic consciousness. The universe brings me down to this suffering that's going on and I don't understand. It's like, can one be happy or not? Or maybe there's no continuity. This non-self algorithm has no continuity, so this is part of the discontinuity. It doesn't go on in that creative, expansive state. But then the thing is that I have certain things set up to do and then 
now I'm not in that congruent mode of that. What the hell? The universe is so provoking me right now. There's a guy taking a picture of a girl in her underwear in a public place. Then there's two people over there sitting, watching, kind of, but not really. Not sure what to do with all of that yet, universe, but I will, okay? There's always enough in any given circumstance to make one feel nuts. Like sirens, traffic noise, and then I worked today and I went to get sushi at a different sushi place and got a yam tempura roll with spicy mayo, no wasabi, extra ginger, and while I was waiting, I picked up a Common Ground magazine, and I noticed on the cover it says, BC's Mental Health Maze, <clears throat> and it has a story about a woman who wrote a book called The Daisy Project. And it's about how she was trapped in the mental health system for 30 years. 18 different psychiatrists, 30 different medications, electric shock therapy, and it says one woman's inspiring journey through BC's mental health system maze. And it says what many of these people have in common is that they have been harmed by the treatment they've been prescribed. But what isn't common are those who have gone through terrible medical experiences, yet can move beyond the trauma to meaningfully communicate it to others. And this is speaking to me. And it also says she wanted to tell the world when she got better. She didn't like the way she was being treated and she wanted her life back. Another part says, as to the secret of her survival, she told me, I just had to tell my story. Being a natural documentarian, where her diary was her release, her pages and pages of records and copious notes all helped her advocate for herself based on the facts of her own case. As for getting off drugs, she comments on the system I know about in which people take prescriptions with very limited informed consent. As for the drugs, she told me, you need to know a lot and you need to be given time to think about it. You need to be given alternatives and you need to know the problems you will face on the drugs. For example, you can develop diabetes with the newer antipsychotics, but nobody is typically informed of this or really understands what the full ramifications are of getting a new disease, hence iatrogenic illness. 
The drugs, she says, are complicating things immeasurably because the doctors don't see the side effects or underestimate their effects on one's day-to-day -day living. Most people might not know that stopping many psychiatric drugs involves a withdrawal effect, which can make them terribly ill. So the event for this book was September 14th, which has already passed, unfortunately. And yeah, this reminds me of me because I've somewhat meticulously documented things in the form of video. Somebody today asked me if I was a model and said that I should model and here is somebody modeling. So it's kind of strange. The synchronicities. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that there's this article written about this book of this woman's 30 years. I couldn't imagine 30 years. Six years for me was enough. I don't know how people survive all of that. Most people don't. Most people never get out of something like that. It's amazing that she got out of it. People get lost in the mental patient maze. Mental health is amazing. It makes people lost in a maze that is full of, that is being in a daze. Eat my light. And another thing is that I'm trying to get it so I can post my videos on my website privately and the admin guy, the helpy guy is like, why would you want so many videos on a page? I can't understand, user experience, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like being like, I'm doing something weird and crazy, okay? I'm putting all my videos on as few pages as possible, so it's less work creating a ma million pages and scheduling it for another date and time. So that way it will be released if anything crazy happens. It's not about user experience, it's about a content supernova. Yeah, most people don't create 450 videos and share them in one go, but I sometimes feel like when I post them and schedule them, that will mean the universe can kind of do away with me because whatever, or I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, universe. Maybe I should just ask the universe. Universe, why do you have these people slapping their asses and stuff all around me right now? What is going on? Is this some kind of joke? Like the red pepper? You know what I'm talking about? I just heard a hummingbird. And I'm sitting here to avoid traffic, but there's horns and noise and traffic everywhere. It's just awful. People playing their leisurely games while other people starve. 
Meanwhile, I stuff myself. And I continue to sit here and talk to myself. And that's the thing that I was getting a sense of in my heart was get off your ass and do something this next month before that class starts. Do something. I don't know what. But then maybe this is doing something. I don't know. I don't Feels like a struggle to get through the day, but it doesn't at the same time. And maybe this is the stage of not doing anything and being okay with it, because I was doing a lot. Just sit and be home less. Not wanting to be indoors, not wanting to be inside. Not wanting to be home. Figuring out this non-self algorithm without feeling like too much of a homeless person. Because perhaps people that lose that self-functioning will, motivation, all of that we end up homeless. But what else is there besides that? When there's not that will of the me. Maybe we feel homeless and the whole universe is ours. making stuff up right now I really don't know I'm just wondering if I can inquire as this state and it'll probably sound really nonsensical because it's not like something I wrote down to talk about later I'm talking about that sense now as that sense the sense of not wanting to move not being so able to move Sometimes when I get to the end of that creative energy, it feels like punishment when it runs out. And can I not let those memes come in like, you were bad, or you made a wrong move, or too many wrong moves, or this is your punishment, now you can't move. Maybe it's part of the integration. Can I not bring fear into this? Maybe it's something else other than fear, other than something fearful. There's something about bearing witness to this and I talked myself out of the mental health system but in doing so I've talked myself into being in contact with this new state of needing to be sensitive and get to know each moment. 
So talking myself through this as this and having a witness, which again is my impartial iPhone, to listen. And it feels like, okay, well, I talked myself out of the mental health system. Now what is there to say? Maybe there's nothing there to talk about. I definitely feel more sensitive. I feel like I can feel people's internal states again. Or it's all one movement that has nothing to do with me, so then the sensitivity is to everything and anything. And I'm not sure if this will be a temporary couple of week thing. I'm going to assume it'll be about two weeks or maybe only a few days because when I've gone into so-called psychosis before, generally it lasts a few days. And this doesn't feel like that, but it feels like I don't know, but I've said things about how one can feel like I'm seeing more, I'm feeling more, and then that'll turn into so-called hallucinations and delusions when one doesn't have someone to listen and when people aren't listening. So people don't have to listen if I talk to myself on video because I'm listening to myself, saying these things to myself. And they feel like lower states of consciousness. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. But can I keep moving and pretend I'm not confused and pretend I'm fine? And I am fine. I feel fine. It just feels strange. It feels less predictable. Hence, it's easier to stay somewhere predictable like sitting there. Not sure. I do want to go to a store to try and find some warmer boots and some gloves so I can be outside more. Something about wanting to be outside. Yet it's only going to get colder. And this woman says in the article, she admitted to her very helpful psychologist that psychiatry may have harmed me. Well, less and less of us are going to put up with that kind of crap, that's for sure.
I remember thinking to myself, and I don't know if I said this to myself yet, I probably have at some point, but this next phase of whatever could be talking myself out of the me. Talking myself through the illusion of being a me. And giving voice to whatever that is in the moment. It's not continuous. Because I feel what happens is this discontinuity, this being sensitive to everything and that creating an epiphenomenon of giving voice to something discontinuous, which is not a continuous me, translating everything according to the me, That process, that discontinuity, gets turned into a mental illness of the me. It gets turned into this person has personal problems. When speaking as something else, one might speak about problems, but not translate it into personal problems. Like this feeling of feeling the homeless people. That could be called... A personal mental illness or it could be called there is no me to have a mental illness but when we're not operating based on that me we can feel things and sense things that we sense that we're the whole of humanity as Krishnamurti says I am the world and the world is me so if I only speak the language of me can I speak the language of I am the world and the world is me Something else I wanted to talk about from the book, The Possibility Principle, that I'm reading. It talks about how scientists discovered that beryllium atoms decayed more slowly the more they measured them. And so the writer points out that the active observation inexplicably changes the decay rate of the beryllium atoms but I think this has more profound implications than that it means that human attention slows the decay of something and I've talked about how nature grows when we pay attention to it so if we don't measure nature if we don't look at it if we don't observe it with our eyes, it decays faster. It goes away because nature appears to us as it does as we look at it. And the less we look at it and pay attention to it, not only does it decay faster, but we lose our ability to perceive its beauty and thus see that it has any value. And if we think it has no value, we just chop it all down. And he even says on a later page that elementary particles have a schizophrenic nature. He uses the word schizophrenic and he says that they have a split personality, meaning they can be either a wave or a particle. And I think this provides a bit of a clue because people who have this transconscious aspect, they're transconscious. They can have a consciousness that isn't a wave possibility plane 
and it can also be particulate. But what creates particles is the projection of the me, and there's less projection of the me when, when we are seeing possibilities. So we're seeing possibilities or we're seeing with the me, which is our thought projection. And he talks about superposition states where things exist in all possibilities until we look at it, until we observe it. And that's what happens with people in this state of possibility when they're in this state where their brain is in a superposition state. And based on how they're received and how they're observed, that's what collapses people into being mental patients. It's a most likely probability right now based on people going into superposition states. What is possible is based on those who observe us. If people saw us as potential shamans, we would have a different future than if people saw us as crazy people. So they see that So people who seem like crazy people in a shamanistic culture, to them, they don't see a crazy person, they see a possible shaman. Whereas, same type of person in a western culture is seen as a crazy person and is turned into a mental patient. So from that state, a person can be turned into almost anything, depending on how they're received and observed. because. It's all possibilities and it depends on all the elements around that person. So if the elements around that person are there to turn them into a crazy person, which is what the psychiatric treadmill is all about, getting it caught in that amazement of psychiatry and being a mental patient. So that's the thing. How can we get turned into something else? Or how do we ensure we can get the heck out of that? Because it's only one possibility. And there's a lot of other possibilities likely than being a shaman. Because not everybody can be a shaman that goes into these states of possibility. But people can maybe one day realize that they can create anything as possible as their life. They've gone into this place of possibility and they learn how to make things possible for themselves and other people. They become possibility makers and maybe are able to see what's possible for other people instead of other people projecting their images and their systems onto a person to make them into a mental patient. Maybe the person will look at somebody and say, you're supposed to be X, Y, Z. I could do this in that state for a while, actually. I could see that person's unique genius. And just by looking at them, they would shift into their most beautiful light body self. So that gives that person that blueprint of themselves, whether they're aware of it or not. So yeah. So maybe others can be lit up by the light in the eyes of a possibility maker. Interlude. This is what possibility makers do by the way they look at people. They make things possible. Whereas when a psychiatrist looks at a possibility maker, they make the possibility maker into a mental patient because of the training, the knowledge coming out of their eyes onto that person.
psychiatric system prematurely collapses our wave function by telling us what to think and feel about ourselves and turning us into that with their medications and treatments. Anyways, I probably have more to say later, a little bit more. I'm making the video shorter because I have no more YouTube capture and maybe I'm in a state of possibility right now. And this happens a lot lately where I'm doing something and I feel like I can see to the end of that, like, oh, I could make juice for people or, oh, I could do this. I see that anything is possible. And I'm seeing that in so-called positive situations. So then the other side comes in at some point and is like, well, it's just as possible to be a homeless person. So you better decide what it is that you want to do and say no to this homeless thing and I do want to be the business owner so I better not screw that up because I want to be able to help make things possible for people that go into this state of possibility see that there's other possibilities to their way of life their way of living and when we're in that state of possibility we often get collapsed into crazy people because it's our me, it's our static, continuous self that makes things impossible for us because we're limited in that structure. And then when that structure is suspended so we can see other possibilities, the medical system is right there to say, where is yourself? Why aren't you being yourself? Why aren't you being continuous? Why aren't you being consistent? And then we get collapsed into being mental patients, a shadow of our former self, let alone expanding into all possibilities of ourselves. Well, I'm glad I talked about this with myself because I've gone from being a homeless person to being a person saying, screw that shit in a short period of time. I was on the Daisy Project website and I clicked through to a link to a website called psychrights.org and... It says on it, the public mental health system is creating a huge class of chronic mental patients through forcing them to take ineffective yet extremely harmful drugs. This is a really sad scenario. When I was driving home, I saw the full moon and I'm sure that doesn't make anything better. This is an example of signs and synchronicity. Forget signs and symptoms of mental illness. Signs and synchronicity from the universe. And today, after work, I was finished work at 3.30, but I didn't want to drive back in rush hour traffic, so I got some sushi, and then that's when I picked up the Common Ground magazine, and it was the article about the Daisy Project book and this woman who escaped psychiatry after 38 years in his trap. And then I went back home, and I'm home now, and I listened to a two-minute video on her blog, and she's using the same kind of languaging as I use. She says, I was trapped by psychiatry and escaped their clutches. And her book is called The Daisy Project 
Escaping Psychiatry and Rediscovering Love. So it's interesting how someone is coming out of the woodwork saying things like escaping psychiatry. And she also says in the video she had a master's degree in nursing, so she was a nurse as well as a mental patient, so she knew, and this is her languaging exactly. She said, I learned how psychiatry traps and lures people into years of mental suffering. And she says, I also learned that it's possible to escape, and that's what she did. This poor woman, I wouldn't call being in it for 38 years escaping. Yes, it's finally escaping, but that's really awful. That's most of one's life. They've already extracted nearly all the profits off of her that they can. If she was diagnosed at 20 and then was in it 38 years, she barely escaped because had she hit 60 and still been in that paradigm, she'd likely be dead. So how can we help people to escape sooner? 38 years. Another year or two and she wouldn't have made it to her 73rd birthday. She's 73 now and I think she's been out of it for over 10 years, but she spent 38 years in the system. I'm seeing how we have many possible selves. Some of us are more than others, hence we're more invincible. Blah, blah, blah. I won't go into that now, but I can see it. I can see a lot more than I say, and there's more that I can see, but I don't say because I don't write it down to say, and it's obvious in the moment, but it's so infinite that it's gone the next to make way for the next subtly profound intimation from the universe. It's an elegant design. I'm at the park and it feels like eternity right now. And this morning I had a subtle intimation about possibilities and how there are no things but fields of possibilities and within one human being there's all possibilities of the potentials of what human beings can do from the so-called lowest to the so-called highest and in saying that there's no solid self there then one can feel the whole range of possibilities, not all at the same time per se, but and
I'm about to put on my earthing shoe strap-on attachment. Here it is. I keep it in this little baggie. So now I'm connected to the earth. The earth knows I'm here. And I reconnected with the importance of that last night. I was using the Muse Monitor app to look at the different points of my brainwaves, the AF9, AF8, TP9, TP10, or something. Temporal lobe and anterior frontal points that are part of the Muse headband. And I took a bunch of screenshots but I'm not completely clear which ones are which. But what I was doing was, and it happened accidentally, I was, I had my phone on the little stand charger thing, and when I touched that, the amplitude of the TP9, TP10, and AF whatever, the top AF band, went really strong and not pretty looking, kind of square like this. So I attributed it to touching the metal which is connected to the wall socket current and how and seeing how that affects the brain waves. Or at least what the Muse headband is picking up. And then I put my foot on my earthing pad and the amplitude went down and it looked nicer. But if I wasn't touching the plug and I was touching the earthing pad, it was stronger than if I wasn't. I can't remember. I'll have to look at the pictures to see, but basically touching the earthing pad and not the phone increased the amplitude, but I'm assuming those would be good energy waves. And then touching the phone and the earthing pad made it better. Touching the phone base and the earthing pad was better than just touching the phone base. But the earthing pad was more strong on, by itself than not touching any of it. So there was a third, not touching the earthing pad or the phone. Then there was touching the earthing pad, which was greater. And then there was touching the phone only. And then there was touching the earthing pad on the phone. So there was four combinations. And it was fascinating to watch how it changed. To see the really square pattern when I was touching the phone charger base. And see how that decreased when I was touching the phone charger base and the earthing pad with my foot. And then seeing what it was like when I wasn't touching anything. And then seeing what it was like when it was only the earthing pad.
So again, I don't know exactly what it means, but it's showing that there's some kind of effect to touching these electric currents. And yeah, so it renewed my interest in having a connection to the earth when I'm outside here walking and I'm going to go for a walk. And this morning I was bouncing on my trampoline and feeling more of the possibilities, yet I am feeling the subtle fear throughout the day too. So it's really fluid right now. It's really not staying consistent at all. And I'm not sure what that is about. We'll see how that goes. I'm going to do my little bury my ball of hair and nail clippings ritual that I learned from Carol Marine Friesen here at this wonderful park that I love. So some of my DNA can become some of the park, just a little bit. And I want five whole dollars on my scratch and win. So I'm thinking I might leave that somewhere in the park too to make someone else feel lucky and rich. And I also got another scratch and win because I had to get more gas. And let's see if I won. I won a whole lot of nothing. That's okay. Maybe next time. This bonus is on for another month. So yeah, the thing with the brainwaves, that was really fascinating. Hence I'm sitting here in the park and I'm going to go to Marshalls again to try to find that pair of gloves that I tried on. They were a little big, but they worked well with the touch screen and I do want to be able to be outside sometimes if I want to. So yeah, I'm thinking about attempting to speak as possibilities. The potential trajectories and tragedies I'm seeing at the moment, which are non-continuous and not about the self. And I came across a TED talk that I haven't watched yet. And it was from the email list Lead Wise, which has to do with Ricardo Semler. And I haven't got his book yet in the mail, but it was talking about how we talk about ourselves and they said something about narcissistic. We try to make everything about ourselves as an attempt to get empathy or something. So I haven't watched that yet, but I'm going to watch it because that's what I've been talking about. We speak as the me, we speak me. And that's all that we see, which isn't seeing very much. So my brain is back onto this quantum operating thing. And the quantum operating system has nothing to do with the me. And it is discontinuous and 
blah, 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 and we're a field of possibilities and different situations make different things possible, yada, 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 I don't know. So instead of saying, I'm feeling like this today or I'm feeling like that, I would like to speak as the possibilities that I see that day. Nothing to do with the me. So, yeah. I was seeing lots of possibilities this morning of celebrating and I was jumping on my mini trampoline and I had my hands above my head like, woo! And then I was having this sense that the universe knows that's part of a gesture of celebration. Our hands above the level of our heart, up in the sky, waving around, it can calculate that. So it's good to celebrate in the morning. And I'll forget that tomorrow, but I'll re-remember at some point when I move in that way. And I was thinking that that Alan Castles guy who wrote the article about the Daisy Project would be a good guy to reach out to at some point. And I was also seeing and remembering that I did the best when I was laughing at myself and I need to figure out how to do that again. Oh yeah, the TED Talk was called Conversational Narcissist, an attempt at empathy. And then I wrote down the word I created, which was empathaction. I'm eating some walnuts. And I just had an insight that this consciousness cannot be organized. It can only be lived. Because it's thought that memorizes, records, structures, patterns in order to organize something. So it requires memory. And this has nothing to do with memory. If we have memories operating, we're not seeing the actual now. And so we can't respond adequately. But one can make an attempt to pretend to organize something. And I think I might try to do 30 days ketogenic with some people that I know. See what happens, document the process. That's the theme of the morning really was, again, gestures towards the self as healthful because if we're not able to do healthful, loving gestures towards our own body being physiology, how are we supposed to go out there and help other people when our being is full of these recordings of not so great gestures towards our body. Harmful gestures. So, yeah, back again is, oh, I can't help anyone. I can only do loving gestures towards myself. So, this seems to be the thing. Oh, and that was the other thing I was thinking about. When I was reading the book, possibility principle 
And it's okay, I like it. I'm glad it doesn't have too many things that make me extrapolate because it's pretty simplistic so far, which is good. But it was saying how there's the wave-particle duality and something either exists as a wave or a particle, a photon or something. And I feel like in map consciousness, we exist as both. We exist in the superposition state of being both a wave and a particle, being light and matter at the same time. And we're fundamentally light and matter organizes around us. So I feel that's part of this weird feeling right now is this feeling of being everything but also being this separate entity of being connected and interrelated and everything rippling into everything yet separate it's a challenge it's being a wave everything connected to everything possibility yet this finite being at the same time a particle and I think that in these states of consciousness, in quantum states of consciousness, we feel both at the same time, not either or. So that's what I was sensing. And I have this feeling that kind of living, experiencing some of these things that I said by having an insight about them, but this is more of a felt reality of it as opposed to an insight. So at the moment I'm thinking about psychiatry in a little bit of a different way than being trapped and needing to escape. I'm thinking about it in terms of being sort of a holding pattern for us to take time to figure out how to operate without a self or in this quantum consciousness because it's something we have to figure out by living it. And what happens is when we can't figure it out, there's fear, so we call for help, then we get funneled into psychiatry, and that is like us saying, well, I give up, I can't figure it out, so you tell me what this is all about. And then they say, well, it's a mental illness, and they have all these medical authority figures to tell us how to think about it. Hi! Is your can of killer? Are you alive? What are you doing? You're so fuzzy. Come here. You don't want to get stepped on. There we go. Put you over here. Or maybe you were stepped on. Oh. Damn it. Poor caterpillar. Anyways, I'm saying is that it's up to us to figure it out how to operate this quantum con consciousness, which is something. You can only do by living it day by day, moment by moment.
and there's always another chance to figure it out as long as we're living but figuring it out means no authority figures telling us how it works but living in contact in direct contact with the quantum reality psychiatrists aren't going to tell us about that and even if they did it's not the same as living it So going to a psychiatrist and asking them how to interpret it and them giving us a pills is a projection of us diverting our learning to being told. It's the same as the teacher-student relationship in elementary school and high school and everything. It's one... It's wanting somebody else to tell us how we work, how life works, not figuring it out by working with life moment to moment. So it takes a lot of energy to live intensely beyond the thought programs we've been given to interpret things. So it's a holding pattern and we can decide at any time to start to understand our lives from scratch. Each day, each moment from scratch. That's what I'm challenged with right now. It's the disorienting discontinuity of things. But it's good to have things that I recognize around me like parks and people that I know who sometimes feel like me too and then if they are me how would I treat them if I treat myself really well I have a better opportunity better chance of treating them really well as well and seeing how all of actuality arranges according to that gestures of health and wellness and love There's my hair. Getting it back to the earth. Like a little squirrel guard something here too. Oh, that's a rock. I don't know. Thank you, Mother Earth, for the food. 
in turn, I get some of you on me. Thank you. Now, with my little radio receiver DNA and hair proteins, maybe I can hear you stream all the time. Streaming life. And I didn't mention yet that last night I slept 10 or 11 hours. I did some coherence breathing, I did 20 minutes of Muse, I did a little bit of the Himalayan acupressure mat, and then slept and slept and slept. So it feels like my brain needs the rest right now. It went through a big creative phase and the creativity was creating this business thing, wasn't around creating stuff to do with a me, so in that way, I feel like that's part of what causes us to crash, is that we use a lot of the creative energy to build up a bigger me. But if we use creative energy to create in a non-self quantum way, then there isn't the same crash of the me, because we're not building up an illusion. We're creating something actual and creating with what the universe is asking of us, not what the me and our thoughts and our personal pleasure is asking of us. So there's that. So the crash hasn't been that much of a crash. It's like, okay, well, now I'm tired. It's doing a lot. My brain was doing a lot. And I also feel like I want to try to use the word oneself instead of I and myself because it's confusing to say, well, there is no self, and then say self-dialogue and myself and all that. It's more like one self-dialogue or guialogue. I need to upgrade my languaging to be congruent with how I'm experiencing reality, with how oneself is moving through reality and creating with it. But at the same time, it could be good to speak egoish English to stay grounded in that reality as well. I need to be a wave as well as a particle for other particles' sake. And I'm not sure what else. I'm getting hungry. I'm going to go get some broccoli make broccoli and Indian sauce. Feeling possibilities and not the self. The epiphenomenon of possibilities replaces the epiphenomenon of the self. By seeing possibilities we can move more intelligently. Because by virtue of our own vision we can divert what we're doing away from division.
I feel really sad when I see people and how their bodies have been misshapen by being pathologized, taking psychopharmaceuticals and gaining a lot of weight and all the suffering and seeing how psychiatrists participate in co-creating that. And as a psychiatrist furthers their career, they've basically transformed more and more people into mental patients and the worsening of that. So people gaining weight and living in poverty and less able to take care of themselves over time in general. So as a psychiatrist gains wealth, gains health, gains stuff, gains all this material stuff and has a family, they're creating all these people that are living as mental patients, overweight, going to die 25 years early. So their profession creates all of this sadness and it, it's creating those people as that and all that is going on as a result of that. And they're uplifted. Meanwhile, people are thrown in the garbage. And I don't think people do that intentionally. It's just part of what happens. Because they're paid and trained to listen in a certain way and do certain things to people that say certain things. I just read the article on ideas.ted.com and it's why we should all stop saying I know exactly how you feel by Celeste Headley. And the tidbit I got out of it is that They've done studies that show that it's harder to empathize the more comfortable we are. So if I'm having a good day and someone says bad news, I'm less likely to be able to fully empathize with how that person's feeling. So I was thinking about it in terms of how the universe sometimes makes me very uncomfortable and makes me feel like a homeless person so I can continue to empathize. And I have my comfortable life right now, it seems, but... I can't forget that discomfort that so many people in the world are feeling. So I'm grateful for that universe. Thank you for showing me. I just ate a lot of raw pumpkin pasta that I made. See? I'm making pumpkin pasta. Use this. Cut up a pasta. Pumpkin. Put it on here like this, go like that, you get that, and I added butternut squash sauce from Costco. It's really good. Mmm. That's good. And I actually found it quite frustrating to make. Chopping up the pumpkin, digging out the stuff, it was making a mess, using the julienne slicer. I just felt kind of clumsy in my movements and like I didn't really want to do it and felt challenging and time has been feeling like it's passing faster and gravity feels heavier. I feel heavier. So my sense of time, my subjective sense of time and my subjective sense of gravity has changed. I don't feel like I'm able to get as much done in the day and there's not as much 
doing of the things that I need to get done. It's delaying them instead of doing them right away. And last night I didn't sleep as well. I slept kind of light. And this morning I bought the book Swarm Intelligence and I think it's going to be really good. I've already seen quite a few things that extrapolate well to what I've been talking about. I feel like this creativity is, it's not personal, but, but there's this human creative energy that can come in and energize us and we start creating this human something, this different structure of life. If we were really cooperating we would create a different world. It would be completely different. And we start living in that way to start to create that. But if we're not close enough to each other in proximity, then it's more difficult to create. It's difficult to do in isolation. Impossible. So yeah, I think this manic energy is a swarm type energy where humans start cooperating without having managers telling us how to do it or what to do. And that's the thing they talk about in the swarm intelligence paper is that these social insects have very few rules. They don't have any managers and they together have a way greater intelligence in what they're able to create than separately. So imagine the capacity of human intelligence working in a similar way. They've used this swarm theory to help business structures operate more efficiently, but what about the whole of humanity? So I'm seeing a lot there and I'm seeing quite a bit in the book I'm reading, The Possibility Principle, and I'm not sure if I should be reading books or not, but I'm feeling like I want to talk about some of the stuff that I'm reading, but I haven't been doing that as much lately. But maybe I could. I tried with old insights. That was not good. I can see the swarm thing related to how I've been talking to myself and I might share the videos and then maybe a swarm will happen. A swarm of People getting in touch with their creative energy again. Not framing it in terms of personal mental illness, but framing it in terms of it's this energy towards oneness of humanity and creating something that we don't know what it is. And this creative energy cannot be lost in humanity, but since it's being dulled out of the kids and creativity is declining, it will be overemphasized in the few. And I've talked about this before a long time ago, so this book is kind of confirming things. And I had a really good hour and a half talk with my brain twin, and he's working on parallel things, and I didn't even know it. So it's cool that we're thinking along the same lines. So by now, I don't even think I need to extrapolate this book or any other book. People who get it 
if they read the book, will get it. The universe is kind of funny. Yesterday I was talking about the gesture of putting my hands up to celebrate. And then I went to get veggies at the grocery store. And the song that was playing was that, Hands up, baby, hands up. Give me your heart, give me, give me your heart. Give me, give me. And that was the song playing. So the universe, life, responds to what life is saying. It's the art of harvesting meaning. And today I'm feeling the lack of space, like I don't have enough space and I have a meeting next week to see if I get into that business class, which is important. And I was able to communicate really powerfully and purposefully and knowing what I was talking about with my brain twin. but. Right now, I don't have much to say to myself, but I do feel like the two books I'm reading have a lot to say. I've definitely been more tired these last couple days, sleeping nine or ten hours, feeling kind of ooh when I wake up, and seeing that it's kind of the end of that major creative energy. But then I was thinking about something I've said to myself before is, can I still gesture in those creative ways when the energy isn't there to help me along. And if I'm able to do that, I, th I feel it's reinforced in the nervous system even more. And last night I did something I haven't done in a really, really long time. I ate five Laura bars. When I was walking yesterday, I felt like I was craving those bars and I wanted the chocolate in it. And I don't usually get that. And I've been really hungry lately, but I haven't done that. I've eaten a lot of dinner, like the rice or the broccoli or something. So I think that was a different pattern. So I can't say, well, that's a different me. There is no me, but different energy level creates different behaviors. And I just sat there and ate those five. And it didn't bother me because I wasn't resisting it. I wasn't saying, this isn't something I should do because if I do that, then I'm reinforcing this static, consistent me that's not there. I just kind of watched it happen and it was interesting. And I'm talking about it because I want to talk about most things, not only the wonderful creativeness, but these interesting other things that happen that are indicators of the end of that state, yet... Just like I don't feel like this crazy euphoric energy in a super creative state, which would then make it maybe a mania, I don't feel a super depressed state when the energy starts retreating and the expansion starts contracting because it's not associated with a me. If the me is there thinking, oh, well, I want to be happy, then when there's not that euphoria, then that would lead to depression. And this is an oversimplification, but I'm feeling like I've decoupled the euphoric states or the depressed states from this 
energy that comes in and makes oneself more creative or the body then is tired. It's a biorhythm. There's some kind of rhythm there, a creative rhythm, but it's not a problem and it's not a personal problem. And I feel like I did get to the end of that creativity because I did start to see some things that were so-called dissociative or slightly distressful. And that's usually when the creative energy ends, there's some distress there. And it was a couple days and that's happened before and I've landed in the hospital, but this time it was a couple days and it was very subtle. And just like being in the hospital for a few days, I come out and I feel groggy and like tired and uh, and slowly get back into something else. This is the equivalent of, okay, well, I'm a little groggy, tired, slowly getting back into that creative rhythm. It's it's a burst of energy that ends and doesn't need to be made a problem out of or a personal problem. Just as one is seeing creatively and seeing visions or I feel like when one is creative, it's one doesn't see visions and hallucinations, but one sees possibilities of creativity. And when one is being creative, one is actualizing that creative energy so it doesn't go into abstractualizing with that energy. If I sit here and that energy is here, I'm going to eventually project visions and hallucinations and delusions. But if I'm creating with that energy, there's no reason for the brain to create abstractions with the energy because I'm moving with the energy what it is moving me to do and then it ends and then that's when there's a little bit of dissociation because the creative state is when there is no me really in operation that's how it can be so new so then when at the end of that energy when the me is coming back in the me is fear so feel some fear and then there's some creativity in the projections of the fear, like feeling homeless people. And and I think it's also partly reminding the being, creativity for what? It's not a personal thing. Look at this wonderful burst of creativity you got and you were creating ideas for this business to help people and things like that and to facilitate more creativity. And remember why, because we're one. So the end of it all is a reminder hey, that energy wasn't for you, wasn't a personal, pleasurable thing. And I didn't make it into a personal, pleasurable thing. I was creating something to hopefully facilitate more creativity. And I'm reading that book on creativity something. I can't remember what it's called. And it's talking about how creativity is programmed out of us, which I already understand this, but it's interesting to read it in books that people have taken the time to write. And yeah, so when I was feeling that homeless feeling, it was reminding me, yeah, there's people suffering. That's one of the reasons why there is creativity. Creativity is to solve these problems. We need creativity to solve these problems. We can't solve them by rearranging what is already there. We need new perceptions, new insights, new ideas, new structures. So this creativity is to create that. And it gave me a lot. And I recorded it and wrote it down and things. And now it's a matter of showing that to the business people. But what I'm saying is 
it makes sense that the creative energy would make us feel that oneness of suffering a little bit because it's to remind us what that energy is for. Some society is so programmed and conditioned us to think everything is for us and our personal pleasure that when this creative energy comes in, it's so easy for us to make it about us when it's not. And that's what makes the fall really hard is when we put it into ego inflation. And that book, 1000 by Ramaji talks about that. And he talks about how it was interesting, a page in that book said that he doesn't know of a single course that helps people with the fall, to prevent the fall. And I think that's something I'm learning to do is to prevent the fall. As I was in a super creative state, lots of energy, no euphoria, creating something for the betterment of the world, I hope, as grandiose as that sounds, what else is there to do with that extra energy? It's not for me. I don't even want the stuff that I've created with the energy I've had along in my life. So there's very few things that I see that I need now. And so I'm saying part of preventing the fall is create something for the good of all, one's altruism project. And with that energy and not putting it into more pleasure and things, it's so easy for us to do that. It's so easy for us to utilize that energy to augment the circuits that are already there conditioned into us. And if we do that, if we don't see that that energy can help us create new behaviors, perceptions, actions, gestures of oneness, if we use it to create more division, we are going to feel very divided and alone at the end of it all. And, yeah, I feel a little tired, like, oh, wow, yeah, there is this body that I operate with, and it ate some Laura bars, and it's feeling more tired after that. That's all very reasonable. So the only security in these states and this creative energy is to utilize it to create something for the good of all. Not for the good of the ego self. That's temporary. That is augmenting a pleasure circuit, which is a temporary jolt of pleasure juice, which is wired into our brain cells like Pavlov's dog. All these circuits have been wired into us. They're not even real. They're not even real human circuits. They've been educated and marketed into us. And this book that I'm reading... Swarm Intelligence talks about that, how the education system does that to us. And I took a class in that too, and it talks about the invisible curriculum. And school isn't about learning those things as much as reward, punishment, right, wrong, social status of those people who get the right answer, fall in line. It's really sad. So there's different rules, and I'm trying to figure out these little rules of Swarmania. So one of them is don't use the creative energy to inflate the ego because it's not even there. And that's inflating a structure that has been conditioned into us like Pavlov's dog that isn't a real human circuit. It is a conditioned circuit to control us and get us to do the things that build the society as it is, like war, war machines, competition, all of this stuff and 
that's not really how we're meant to operate and we're trying to create a new operating system by operating in different ways and that is especially so when people have this creative energy but it's very difficult to not funnel that into the dominant grooves and circuits in the brain and one of the rules is don't harm anybody these thought storms can come in and almost feel like they're directing us to harm someone sometimes I've only had that once or twice and I handcuffed myself one time and I freeze I just sit there and freeze and just stay still don't do anything don't say a word wait for it to pass it will pass don't hurt yourself don't hurt other people and it's thought it's sound in the brain it's not really happening if it's something violent it's probably not happening now I don't know what I'm saying but there are just a few rules to Swarmania and I'm going to figure them out so we can understand how to operate and just be quiet about this and that will affect the whole it's about epigesturetics and some gestures are too far beyond and people aren't ready for them and we will be swarmed we already create a swarm around us so you could think of the queen of a colony and everyone's operating around the queen or something well when we're captured by the mental health system we have all these different classes of people there to swarm around us clinicians doctors other patients it creates this whole colony of mental illness around us trying to fix us there's a different colony that happens when we're able to master this energy think about what might organize around you and all of us as humans operating intelligently creatively magically mysteriously together without all of this structure but just with a few simple simple gestures simple rules of the human nervous system I imagine that's what built the pyramids some simple rules and humans operating together and what could we build now if we really cooperated and I don't know it seems pretty simple blah 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 I'm feeling a lot of energy moving around I think it's because I ate way too many grapes yesterday and today I think the grapes, the sugar goes to my brain really, really quickly and I feel lots of energy doing nothing but moving around and feeling strange. So yeah, no more grapes. I just edited my last video and I sounded kind of nuts. And then I drove to work and I ate a lot of grapes felt a lot of energy and then when I got home I felt energy too and it was kind of agitated energy like not wanting to be in this situation that I'm in I feel like I need to find and be around my neuro tribe
then I made some dinner and I was eating it in my room and listening to some music and I started to cry just a tiny bit and I don't usually cry but since that happened I feel a lot better maybe I just need to cry for like 30 seconds and that's not why my eyes are red I changed a light bulb and I think something fell in my eye right in there And then I was thinking about doing some nonsensical writing like I might if I was in the psych ward. I'll fill up a couple notebooks worth of stuff and maybe that would help a little bit. There's something going on. Not going on, it's just very fluxy, flowy, inconsistent. And there's something there in me that wants the energy to be more consistent. I think part of the non-consistency is not trusting myself around other people in terms of saying something stupid that I don't need to say that will make things worse. Not make things worse, but create some kind of conflict. feel kind of stuck, like how am I going to make it through the next couple months? And then the next second I'm like, I have to do this. I have to create something and get out of this scenario. It's not about me. But then there's this me energy wanting to come back in and make my life about me and my problems and it wants to create problems for them people to feel around me like I have these problems and like I'm not doing as well or something it's non-self sabotage of the self coming back in
tonight I went from making dinner and feeling this energy so painful to feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to just take off to, okay, I'm just going to go out for a couple hours to, okay, I can stay here. It's this energy that wants to run. And I've had that energy in the past where my brain will literally construct a conspiracy theory for me to run from. When maybe that is a projection of feeling really trapped. And like the only way to make myself move out of it is to create some kind of emergency scenario that isn't really happening. We usually wait till there's an emergency before we do something. Maybe those micro emergencies are telling me this is an emergency. I guess I want to talk myself through some of this. I was feeling the past and how one can't escape from the past. But then at the same time, the past isn't real. It's not here now. It's not happening. So of course one can't escape from something that isn't happening now. Yet there's this sense of wanting to run. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.